Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Uh, lots of crazy games this past weekend. I'm your host, Blue Jay, alongside with your other host, JNT250. Uh, before we get into it, I wanted to know your thoughts on the, the games this past weekend. If you were to rate them one out of ten, what would you say the games were like this past weekend? Hmm, definitely, they're very good. Not as good as a couple weeks ago where we had all the 40-minute bangers, but definitely a lot of, like, better quality games in terms of like one entertainment two the level of play and three even the drafting we saw you know a bunch of different drafts different picks this week and yeah it was a pretty exciting week i would have said the games were great until until the dignitas golden guardians game came along and that was when i really think that the the games kind of fell off but overall still some pretty good games um Getting into our first topic of the day, we need to discuss Evil Geniuses because this team is doing so much right now, it's hard to keep up with all the moves that they're making. Um, <laughs> where to start? This roster is making moves with their top laner, making moves with their mid laner. I want to know your thoughts on which roster you think is better. Do you think that we got the, the new roster being better or the old roster? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think most people, they're going to be a little bit biased to side with the new roster, specifically because they beat C9. And, like, you know, beating C9 is such a huge deal. Like, when 100T beat C9, everyone was hyping up 100T. And, you know, now with C9 losing another game, people are kind of, you know, the question is if C9 is slowing down or if teams are speeding up. But specifically with EG, you know, I'm still, I think, more on the side of the old roster. You know, I was kind of surprised, honestly, when I... You know, I heard that they signed Golden Glue and then they decided to sub in both Huni and Golden Glue for this coming weekend. But uh, it, was, it was very interesting, and I think they played really well against C9. Didn't have a very clean game against Team Liquid. Honestly, looked pretty sloppy, but I guess it was their first game playing together um, in like an LCS game with that roster. So, you know, it's a little bit understandable that they could have had a bit of a slow start, but really played very well against C9. I want to point out specifically Zazel. I think Zazel had a great game that game. But uh, I don't know. For me, I'm still on the side of the old roster, but I definitely want to see, you know, if they're going to continue with this new roster and then how it looks moving forward in the playoffs. Yeah, the the biggest thing for me is, so I actually think the old roster was the, the better thing to go with simply because, well, first of all, I, I don't think that Golden Glue is um, an improvement over Jizuke. I do know Jizuke was very hit or miss. Don't get me wrong there. Like, you, you don't know what you were getting with him all the time, but... I, I don't think that Golden Glue has shown anything spectacular for him to be worthy of taking over Jizuke's spot, who was your main carry in so many of your wins. Um, and the other thing is that he, even with Kumo not maybe looking as good at the start of the split, or not looking as good now as he was at the start of the split, I don't think Huni's looked good either in a long time. So I, I'm not really too high on, on either of those um, on either of those moves. Uh, but I do think it does bring a different attitude to the team. And so that's one thing that I think it's, it's done really good for. And I think that may be the main reason why they were actually able to take down Cloud9 this, this past weekend. With that said, I don't think we can forget the game that happened just before that on Friday night against TL. This team looked so bad and it looked like it was an absolute disaster when they, uh, when they made the moves. I, I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Very night and day from one game to the other. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, if uh, the game against C9 would have played out like the game against Team Liquid did, I think, you know, people would be heavily questioning EG in terms of, like, their actual decision to swap out their, you know, what I would consider their best performing player in Jizuke. And, you know, 
Kumo's become sort of a rock in the top lane for the last couple weeks. But yeah, I mean, just as you mentioned, you know, with teams subbing in new players, they get a bit of a new look, a bit of a restart, you know. Teams, you know, previous teams, whenever they make moves like this, they always say, specifically in the team environment, it's always better and, you know, can be good to get some fresh faces in, you know, to keep the morale high. Like, if your team's on a losing streak, just getting some new players in uh, will definitely help the team morale. And, you know, you got you to gotta wonder, like, what their initial reasoning for the substitutions were. But, I mean, to go out and take a game off C9, like, you got to give credit to the substitutions in some in some case. Yeah, definitely. And and what that does now with with C9 win or pardon me, with beating C9 and losing so heavily to TL, I, if you're management, now you're stuck in this spot where you, I don't think it's very clear what the next step is. You signed Golden Glue to a 7-day contract. He comes in, kind of feeds in the first one. I would say he was the biggest part of their loss in the first one. And then he was hitting every single bubble on Zoe in his second game against Cloud9. I, I couldn't f put my finger on Golden Glue. And so now you got to wonder, are they going to offer him another contract? And if they're going to offer him another contract, how long is this one going to be? Are you going to just keep signing a guy for seven days every time? I feel like there has to be some rule within the LCS that doesn't allow that to happen all the time. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. And I'm glad I'm not part of EG management right now because that is a very difficult decision to make. And I, I don't know what you do now. You, got, you don't want to piss off Jazuke. I, I think that sitting Jazuke, he's probably not happy with that. He's probably fuming that he comes over to NA. And, and I, I don't want to paint every EU player with the same brush, but a lot of them come over with the attitude of they're going to just own NALCS because they're just the, they've been playing in a better league but it doesn't always translate that way and so uh, you got to wonder if Jazuke is pretty upset now about being benched and how that goes about whether he's going to want to come back next year yeah I mean it was kind of interesting when the news first like came out I think it was Tuesday of this past week that Golden Glue was signed to a seven-day contract and when you first hear of like somebody getting signed to only a seven-day contract basically they're only getting signed to play one weekend of LCS you got to kind of wonder like what EG's reasoning for doing this was, you know, maybe, you know, like they've made no statement on the specifics and why they subbed out uh, Kumo and Jizuke for Huni and Golden Glue. I know part of it is because they originally picked up Huni because they recognize that he's still, you know, they believe that he's still a strong player. And when he becomes an NA resident next season, there might be a chance that if he's performing well, he'll get to play. But, you know, when someone's only signed to a seven day contract, you got to wonder if they're playing for their life that one weekend and, you know, EG is going to have to take a look internally to see if Golden Glue, you know, earned another shot, another weekend to play LCS. And, you know, as you said, maybe if it's a seven day contract or they sign him for the rest of the season. But, you know, it, it's they've put themselves in a bit of a predicament in terms of what to do going forward. Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, like I said, I don't know what this team's going to do. I don't know what this team's going to look like in the future. Like. Here's the thing, when it it's past week six now, right? You have three weeks left of LCS, and you have no team identity right now because you're swapping in and out players. So a little bit of criticism, I think, needs to be shined on Evil Geniuses for that reason. You need to figure out what your squad is and what team you're going to go with f moving forward. And quite frankly, I don't think anybody knows what that is, and I think that's the biggest worry for EG. Yeah. I don't got too much else to say. Okay, and so that, neither do I, honestly. I don't think there is much to say. I think we're waiting to see, to learn a lot of things from Evil Geniuses in the coming weeks, and we're going to learn things, whether it's good or bad, 
that's that's remained to be seen. But moving on, we'll, we'll move, on, move on to our next topic, which would be our, our main topic for the week. This week, we wanted to do something a little bit different for you guys. We didn't want to just throw power rankings in your guys' face again. So we wanted to actually talk about just which teams were on the rise and which teams were, were, were falling and then which teams were just kind of hanging out, not really getting better or not really getting worse. So we're going to start off with the teams on the rise. Uh, first team we want to talk about here is Golden Guardians. This is a team that we had a lot of hopes for coming into the season, and then they kind of performed a little bit poorly to start the season, and now we're starting to see them pick it up and really start to to show their true identity, I think. And, and so I want to know your thoughts on Golden Guardians and how you think they're going to perform later on in the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, as you said, you know, this team had a bit of a slow start. I believe they started the season off one and three and even I think one and four because they lost their first game of the third week of LCS. And then I guess since then, you know, just taking a look at their record, they're five and two in their last seven games, which is, you know, one of the better um, stretches of, you know, record in the last few weeks. And, you know, like I just said, they, they had a slow start. I think you can attribute that to closer perform uh, underperforming a little bit. You know, he had a rough couple of first weeks. You know, he would he played some aggressive junglers like Nidalee and like the Graves and, you know, was able to garner some early game leads. But, you know, kind of his champions weren't really like able to have such a huge impact on the game. But what I am really loving from them is, you know, picking closer to the Olaf. He's had a lot of uh, impact on the game. He has a lot of agency. He's kind of allowed to do whatever he wants. They're, you know, we, we've talked about this team before as being sort of like a like a younger, not a younger, but a. Uh, uh, inexpensive C9 or like a B-Tech C9 in terms of their play style where they'd like to play super closer centric and, you know, play around closer, draft for closer, you know, as, as C9 does, which is play around Blabber, around all Scuttle Crabs and all Dragons. And I think they've been doing a really good job of it. You know, this team is starting to look, they have a little bit more of an identity as we're talking about with EG. You know, you need to have an identity in this league to be able to be consistent and pick up wins. And I think we're really starting to see that. Yeah, and so you made me think of a, a really interesting thing because so many people have compared them to Cloud9, calling them the baby Cloud9 or C9's little brother, whatever you want to call it. Um, however, an interesting little stat that I found on Golden Guardians this week is they actually have the longest game duration in the league, sitting at 36.28 uh, minutes. That is pretty long considering... You're, they're being compared to Cloud9 so much, and, and for good reason, because I do think they have similar play style, but like, if there's one thing that Cloud9 is also known for, it's closing out their games pretty quick. And so that's one thing that I thought was totally night and day when it comes to uh, C9 in comparison to Golden Guardians. And so I really think that that's something they're going to want to share up is, is to improve their, uh, their game duration. And a couple other stats is this team is actually second in the league, so these are some better stats. This team is second in the league in dragon percentage at 60.2% dragon percentage. Um, something that I would not expect out of a middle of the pack team. You would expect to see that out of TL who's sitting like tied for first with Cloud9 right now. And another stat is they're actually third in the league in gold differential at 15. And all the other teams below them are all in the negatives. They're third in the league at 752 gold difference at, at 15. So a really good early game stat which is a little bit not what you would expect when you see that their game duration is actually the longest. So it, it's very clear from this that their their biggest issue isn't getting a lead, but it's closing out the game when they get a lead. And so that's something that I think that we start to see them do a lot more within the most recent weeks. And that's why, to, to me, I think this team is definitely on the rise um, just for those kind of stats right there, but also just the performances out of closer. You're starting to see more of that spring split closer come back. 
And I, I, I've actually really been liking DeMonte on his cannon, or pardon me, uh, Hanser on his cannon. I think that um, he's been great in team fights, and he hasn't been getting dumpstered in lane like he should. And I, I really have liked DeMonte uh, being on just his fill role. He'll just play anything, no matter what the team needs for them to, to play whatever style that, that they need to to get their win. So I, I'm really happy with this team, and I, I do expect them to continue to rise. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, another team on the rise, uh, you know, they've now tied for first. You know, technically Cloud9 has the head-to-head -head being 1-0 against them. But Team Liquid, you know, at the top of the standings now with uh, C9 rocking a 10-2 record. Um, you know, I think people had questions about this team, you know, a couple weeks ago, specifically when they had those two super long games. Against, I think it was against Immortals and Dignitas. You know, they had those uh, those base racy games that, you know, could have honestly gone either way. And people were really starting to question, you know, is this team as good as their record shows when at the time when they were six and two? And now, you know, sitting at the top of the table with Cloud9 at 10 and two, I think people are now starting to recognize that this team is actually a really good team. You know, Core JJ and Jensen, I want to highlight specifically, have really just been the driving force of this team. You know, you know, Jensen, he does play a lot of Azir, like we say, and we want to see him and play some more aggressive picks. And when he does, you know, they perform really well. And like we've mentioned before, Core JJ can play anything. He can play the Bard, he can play the Thresh, he can play the Blitz, he can play the Braum. Like, he can do whatever you need. And, you know, I think these two players on Team Liquid are really what's kind of pushing them over the edge right now. And we'll have to see if they can maybe over overtake C9 by the end of the split. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am very curious to see what this team's going to come out with. I, I did look up a few stats for them as well, because, well, you know me, I love stats. Um, so they are actually second in the league with their goal differential at 15, sitting at 925. I mentioned how uh, the only other positive teams were Cloud9 and, and Golden Guardians. So I, I do think that they've looked really good in the early game, but they are also a team, just like Golden Guardians, that is known for having really long games as well. So they're it's kind of similar when it comes to what these teams need to, to sure up in order to, to improve. It's definitely fixing that game time. But... Um, when it comes to TL, they are more known for a slower playstyle, so that, I don't think that's anything too much to worry about. But I, I really want to talk about Jensen and Core JJ. These two players have been so good for this team. And, and Core JJ, we've always said, like we've always known that he was really good. He, he recently won the MVP. You could probably remind me about when that was. I know it wasn't too long ago. I think it um, was. And then spring season nine when he first came. There to the you league. go. Yeah, and then the other thing is though, Jensen I think has really seen a resurgence in his gameplay. I still prefer to see him play a little bit more aggressive, but even with the slow play style, I think he's been making a lot of great plays. I, I've said I'm not too huge on Zen, on Jensen playing Azir. However, his Azir has been pretty good, and, and, and so is his TF. So really want to give props to those two players in, in particular. I think those are the two players that are really carrying this team. Um, another player that I want to talk about is Broxa, because Broxa is like... I don't know where to put him as far as junglers in the league. Uh, he he had a game this weekend where he was 0-0 and 0 until the 35-minute mark or something like that, and it just felt like he couldn't get anything done, and that's really not what you want to see out of your jungler. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of this, honestly. Not, I don't want to say seen a lot of this, but Broxa has definitely not been, I think, the player that team liquid expected or maybe you know the fans perception you know expected of him when he came to the nalcs you know from his games in eu he was always known as this very scrappy um jungler who you know kind of just muscles his way into like winning the game he was you know he's known for his lee sin 
Um, he's great at controlling objectives and playing team fights. Regardless, he kind of when he was in EU, he was doing everything. But it kind of seems now over in NA, he plays a lot slower. He plays heavily around mid lane with Jensen. You know, kind of just making sure that Jensen doesn't die and continues to build whatever CS lead he's able to accrue in lane. But he's definitely not the same Brox that I, that I think that we've seen from EU. And it'll be interesting to see one how the team decides to utilize him going forward if he you know he's going to be involved in the same role or if he's going to switch up his play style at all because you know like we mentioned you know they still have to go get above c9 and i don't think with their game plan of putting broxa on a slower jungler or making his play style very slow that won't bode well against c9 yeah it, it just seems like no matter what they've tried with broxa nothing's really worked out and it's not to say he's been awful but he just hasn't been as impactful as we thought he would be coming over from uh, such a dominating like history when he was playing in Europe. But yeah, de definitely interesting. Definitely want to see what he has to offer in the last three weeks of the split. Um, but yeah, definitely to me, very, very odd. Um, anything else on TL before we move on to our next team? No, I'm good. So next up on our list, we have Immortals on the rise. Now, Immortals is is very difficult to to pinpoint as well um because we see such crazy things out of this team i love i, I gotta talk about insanity i love his champion pool um he has played seven unique champions in eight games so far since joining the lcs and like especially when we talked about this last week i think his corky packages were crazy oh and now he's playing karthus which is like such a go-in style like He's really played something that's been fun to watch. And whether it be for better or for worse, it's been really good games. And so, like, I'm really liking this because when we were seeing the old Immortals roster, we weren't seeing much of anything. The team was losing, and they weren't really making much happen around the map. It didn't feel like they were ever contesting anything. And that identity has totally shifted just with insanity alone, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, you know. You know, they're sitting currently with a 3-9 record, but I think they could easily have, you know, another two wins, you know, putting them almost right up into that sort of 5-6 uh, spot, even 4 spot, if they would be, at, you know, tied with five wins with CLG. But, you know, it, this team is, they've basically had a complete resurgence ever since they uh, put in, they benched their entire LCS roster for their academy roster with three of the five members being on their previous LCS, LCS roster. So... This team has definitely done a complete 180 since uh, the the season started. I think you know people really had no hope for the original Immortals roster, and you know people weren't expecting you know amazing things with this new Immortals roster coming in. But I think people are definitely you know they're thinking that they're performing better than expected, specifically Insanity, as you mentioned. You know, playing seven unique champions out of eight games. You know, it, having a wide champion pool is really really important just in professional league in general because you don't want to have a small champion pool getting banned out in like a five game series or something in playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's always valuable to have, you know, picks that you can whip out at any moment. But you know, it's just props to Insanity and props to Immortals overall. I think they've done a great job, you know, working with what they've got after after making their roster substitutions. Yeah, and, and another little thing about Immortals is that this, like you said, this team is sitting towards the bottom of the standings, but it just seems like none of their players are playing bottom of the standings level of League of Legends. Like, specifically with Apollo Hako, we've talked about these guys many times, and people have always said, you know what you're going to get with them. And even though I do think there is some truth to that, I still think they're actually performing a little bit better than that, you know what we're going to get from them kind of thing. I thought they've looked really good. I really liked Apollo, or uh, 
I really like the Apollo's Ash, but I've mentioned that before. And I, I also really like Hakuho on whipping out the uh, the Morgana earlier in the week. I, I thought that um, I wish they would have uh, they would have played the Morgana in game two actually. But um, yeah, he's looked really good. The only thing, the only part of Immortals where I'm a little bit uh, sour, so to speak, would actually be in the jungle with Xmitty. And it's not that I think he's been bad, but I think he's kind of just been he's been okay. You know, I don't think he's been to the level that he we've seen him in the past where he is one of the best junglers in North America. But I do also think that that's a product of him playing on a less talented team. Like, we got to remember that before he was playing on Team Liquid uh, not too long ago. And so it's really night and day, the kind of players that he's playing with. But overall, I just got to say that this team's looked pretty good, and that's why they're definitely on the rise to me. Yeah, you know, definitely like you mentioned with Xmithy, being on this Immortals roster, he's being asked to do more. And, you know, when you're being asked to do more, you don't have the freedom to do whatever you want like he did on Team Liquid. Basically, he was playing just like, he was just being sort of a controller on Team Liquid. You know, he'd be wherever he needed to be for the team. He'd be protecting dives uh, from the enemy or setting up his own dives for his own team. And, you know, just having generally really great objective control. But when you aren't playing with as strong players, you are asked to do more. You are you are asked to be more prevalent in lanes, and that can affect, you know, your overall just tempo in the game and your effect on the map. Yeah. Um, anything else on this team before we move on to the next? Nope. So last up for our teams on the rise is Dignitas. And I, I don't know about you, I, I think we're pretty hesitant on putting this team on the rise with how poor their last performance was. However, the three games prior, they had a, the, their three-game winning streak. It was a totally different team than the team that we saw start off the season 0-8. So to me, regardless, having a really, really bad game, I don't think that was enough to, to put down all of the, the three wins where they looked so much better than their natural than their 0-8 start, I guess. Yeah, you know, it, pretty interesting this week with them deciding to sub back in Viper for Lorlo. And, you know, I think both of us, we've really been talking up Lorlo these last couple of weeks because we both, you know, we're both of the opinion that he's actually been performing really, really well. So for myself, I was a little bit surprised to hear that they were subbing out Lorlo. But I think Viper played all right. He got his, he got his, uh, his, uh, Riven. His, he got his Riven pick in the first game, performed pretty well on it. Uh, but in the second game, you know, as you were mentioning, that was it was a pretty disaster of a game from Dignitas. They were pretty much giving up anything. If you didn't catch the game, it was basically I. We haven't actually looked this up, but we're pretty sure that it has to be the least total kills in an, any professional game anywhere of all time, all regions. Like it has to be. I don't think me personally, the only ever, like the only ever game that I've seen with less kills was. Funnily enough, another Dignitas game. I think it was Dignitas Immortals back in like 2017, and it had like 10 kills. But like, yeah, I don't know. Just to not to not fight in the entire game is just pretty wild to me. Yeah, four kills. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Four kills in a game that is unbelievably bad for a game to watch. That might be one of the worst games, or if not the worst game ever played. But I I, I don't want to dwell on that too much because. Like I said, they did play a lot better within recent times up leading up to that game. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Dardock because he, to me, and uh, take this as a good thing or a bad thing, he has been a coin flip player to me. There are his performances where he comes out and he's got a clear game plan and he looks good in what he's doing. And then there's games where he looks a little bit lost and he's not on the same page as the rest of his teammates. So... I'm really, really confused with Dardock. I don't know exactly where to put him, but I definitely know that he's not as bad as the 0 and 8 
jungling that they were getting when they had um, when they had uh, Acadian start off the season. So I do think he's an upgrade, but I, again, he he hasn't been amazing all the time. So I really think he's really coin flippy. And like you mentioned, Lorlo getting subbed out, I I can't ever agree with that. Um, except maybe with the exception of the CLG game. And the reason I say that is, uh, you know, CLG has struggled in the top lane, whether it's Deus or may, whether it's Ruin. I think that's a lane where you can play a Riven and try to play through top and exploit that. So if they were going to be subbing in a player just for a specific matchup or a specific game, rather, that's where I could see that move making sense. But the fact that they kept him in for the full weekend, uh, that I, I just don't get. I mentioned last week, Lorlo's been great. He's I think he's leading the league now in KDA for top laners after Licorice uh, died a lot this past weekend. Um, so anyways, I don't have much more to say on Lorlo. I, I just, I thought he should be playing. He's not. What do you, what can you say about it? Yeah. I remember when we were watching the games together on Sunday, one thing that you mentioned, which I thought was super interesting was that, you know, with them subbing back in Viper and getting sort of a quote unquote second chance, you know, that kind of, you know, it makes me wonder a little bit, you know, if Froggen were to ever get a second chance being subbed in again, because for me personally, I think, you know, they were both obviously underperforming when they originally got subbed out. But to me, I think Viper was underperforming more. So definitely, definitely a little bit surprising that, you know, if they're giving these players, you know, maybe a quote unquote second chance that, you know, Froggen will either not or will or will not get one. Yeah, and, and with the exception of Phoenix's first game, like his first game was really, yeah, really yeah. bad. But since then, I think he's been okay. There's some times where he pops off. He had a really nice shockwave in the in a CLG game, but then he got caught as well in the same game with times where he shouldn't be getting caught. So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, kind of with Dardock also, kind of coin flippy as well. But to your point, um, yeah, if, if Viper deserves another chance, uh, you got to figure so does Froggen. And so maybe we'll see Froggen soon. Maybe they're just... Maybe he's not doing well well in scrims, or maybe Phoenix is really popping off in scrims. I, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Froggen because we did see Viper, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't got much more else on on this team. Do you have anything else before we move on to our teams that are just chillaxing? Uh, nope. Yeah, so next up, we're going to move on to the teams that not exactly rising, not exactly falling, but uh, do still have a fair bit of things to say about these teams. Uh, first up on the list for me is Cloud9. This is a team that was sitting at the top of the standings, and although they did lose a couple of games, we did consider putting them on the falling uh, in the falling section. But I don't think that them losing their games was a result of them getting worse, as much as I do think it was a result of them trying different things and just kind of getting punished for trying different drafts. I don't yeah. know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think people might be surprised to hear us say that we don't think C9 is falling. But like you said, I think in their 100 Thieves game, uh, they were experimenting a little bit with draft. And I think uh, in the EG game, I think it was actually EG just playing really well. Um, C9 didn't have the greatest game, but you know, to me, it's more props on EG for being able to take it to them. I mentioned Agreed. Zazel playing the Alistar, which was really, really good. Golden Glue hit pretty much all his skill shots on Zoe. And when you're hitting your skill shots on Zoe, it's, it's pretty tough to play the game. But you know, we'll definitely have to see, you know, going forward with C9, you know, we'll have to see this trend of them, I guess, quote unquote, underperforming and that being losing games. But, you know, I still think we're, we're both of the opinion that they're still a very, very strong team and they are still to be feared. And that's why I think both of us have sort of, they're in the just chilling category. Mm -hmm. 
And a, a couple of things on this team that I, I want to talk about. Uh, one is the, the with the different drafts. Um, I actually thought last week their loss against 100 Thieves, I thought it was a poor draft. I thought that their intentions were to try something different, and the draft was still very poor anyways. This week, I thought they were trying something different, but I thought the draft was still good. And to your point, EG just played well. So I, I, do, I don't want to take anything away from, from EG. I thought they looked really, really good in, in the game that uh, they played against Cloud9. And I think Cloud9 um, is doing something that they're, they're more so playing to the advantage of playing in North America. And so what I mean by that is there's been so much talk that NA is the worst region to play in for all the good teams because you don't get much practice. And while I definitely do agree with that, there are some positives here. And I think C9 is playing with those positives on their side. And so the fact that they're able to try out different stuff in the middle of their season is the benefit of playing in North America because they can do something like this and still feel like they have a lot of confidence that they will make it to Worlds. Where if you were to do this in China or in Europe, there's a good chance you don't make it to Worlds. And so maybe you got to try all these different comps and try to master a bunch of different styles but you don't even get to showcase them when it comes to world. So I think Cloud9 is just playing to their advantages of playing in North America. And so that's why I think we're seeing a little bit of a different style out of them. Um, and the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about with Cloud9 is Blabber. It's starting to get banned out quite a bit. Um, and it makes me wonder if he's not going to get the MVP anymore. Because if you, don't, if you ban out someone, if you take out their best champions from them game after game, it's really hard for them to perform at the same level as the champions that they were popping off in, in the weeks prior. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like you said, uh, getting banned out in the majority of the games that they're playing, you know, his Olaf and his Lee Sin, two of his very aggressive picks. And, you know, for the first half of the LCS, Cloud9 was this super, super aggressive team that would always fight you, always take it to you. And, you know, they've kind of, Maybe it's not been by their choice to slow down, but in you know in terms of what they're drafting. But you know, Cloud9 playing a lot slower, experimenting with drafts. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's it's a bit of a close race now for the MVP in terms of uh, you know you could you could I would guess the top two right now are Blabber and Core JJ uh, for myself. But you know, it's definitely hard to perform at your best when you basically can't because your best champions are getting banned out. You know, it's pretty difficult to ban out support, specifically Core JJ, who can play everything. But, you know, it's a bit weirder with jungle because, you know, your champion does affect your play style and, you know, the way that you play. So it, it's very interesting. And we'll have to see what, you know, how Blabber continues to, how he sort of continues to perform over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and what it's going to do, in my opinion, I don't think it will change Cloud9's play style per se. What I think it will do is it will force them to win harder in other lanes. So maybe if they can't get those power picks for their jungler, well, maybe they can give it to Sven in the bot lane or Licorice in the top lane. It doesn't seem like a Niski kind of thing to me, although they did give him Syndra, who's a very good pick. Um, I liked them putting Sven on the Callista. I think that's a pick where you can really see C9's bot lane start to shine, whereas earlier in the season they were playing more scaling stuff. So I think that's what we're going to start to see out of Cloud9. I expect to see a little bit more Callista, but... Uh, I We'll have to wait and see, but um, yeah, I don't think it's going to change their aggression. I think it's just going to move their aggression around to different roles on the team. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, moving on, we have FlyQuest, another team that's just chilling. This team could have been put uh, 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 falling, I, I think, but ultimately, I, I don't think that this team is falling. I think that we're going to see this team 
uh, kind of sit around their, their level right now of play. I don't think that they're going to fall out of playoffs, nor do I think that they're going to catch up to Cloud9 or Team Liquid. I expect this team to kind of chill and and sit the same. What do you what are your thoughts on uh, on FlyQuest? Yeah, I mean that they had a they had a good week, I think. They had they had a really clean, decisive win against TSM and then a pretty decisive loss to C9, you know, C9 sort of uh returning to their former selves specifically in that FlyQuest game, but you know, as you said, I think we were we were wondering if we were going to put this team on the on the decline, but they had a really clean game against TSM. They they really they they basically just created a huge advantage through like the first five minutes of the game, which really allowed to snowball their lead, and they snowballed it pretty well. So definitely a just chilling team for me. They have, you know, they they've been a really interesting team. They had they put Mash in for a little bit, but now they have Turtle coming back in, and it's really interesting. I think this team is definitely um, kind of like Cloud Nine, I guess, experimenting a little bit. They're putting Ignar on Pantheon a lot now, which I find super interesting. It's not a super, like, playmaking champion, like, not uh, as opposed to his Rakan, you know, Ignar. Uh, Rakan is his best champion, and I think putting him on Pantheon, it's been a little weird to me. Um, it, it's, it's, it's more of this aggressive support pick that you can sort of sideline a little bit with, um, you know, basically your entire kit is revolved around your ultimate and your W, so... I don't know. It, it's been a bit weird for me seeing Ignar on this Pantheon support, but I, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. I, th- I feel like with a lot of these teams where we don't know, it's kind of we're just waiting to see how they'll perform, you know, in these coming weeks. So I'm not really sure where to put FlyQuest in for me. That's kind of why I have them in the just chilling. It's funny that you say that because I had the same thing written down in my notes here. That like I wasn't too sure what to think about Ignar on his Pantheon. I would much prefer him on the Rakan if it's available, but I mean you can't always get what you want. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure what to think about the Pantheon pick either. And uh, I, I think one of the reasons it's so difficult to to put FlyQuest on the rise or on the fall is because I don't think we learned much from them this They lost to Cloud9, which is like, that's something that is expected to happen. And then their game against TSM, TSM was just running it down and they were up the 2k gold at five minutes. So like, that's why I feel like th- this team is just in the, in the just chilling section because we didn't learn too much about them. Uh, one other thing that I want to talk about real quick on, on FlyQuest, because I don't have too much on them, but I want to talk about Wild Turtle coming back. So this was something that I expected to see last week. However, um, we did get to see Turtle come back, and you got to question what the move with MASH was all about, because I didn't see anything too impressive out of MASH. Um, with that being said, uh, Turtle comes back. He looks okay, like nothing amazing, nothing bad. Pretty much what you would expect out of Turtle, but... Wild Turtle got his 1500th kill this weekend, and so that was something, another milestone. He's only the second player in the LCS to do that in the regular season. Um, so I believe the only other one is Double Lift, and then Bjergsen probably also has 1500 kills, but I believe a lot of those are in playoffs. So the only second, uh, the, only the second player um, in the regular season to have 1500 kills. So just a little congratulations to Wild Turtle on that milestone. And it just goes to show how long he has been playing in this league. Yeah, definitely, you know, back to what you were talking about with MASH uh, versus Turtle. I think with MASH, it was sort of, we got like a a one good play and then two bad plays or two good plays and then three bad plays. It was kind of interesting, you know, it was a bit of an experiment with MASH, you know, being slotted in. I think he, he had more bad than good, honestly, and I'm kind of glad to see Turtle back in there. I was, again, I was I was surprised originally when they, they were going to sub out Wild Turtle because I think at the time they were either 3-1 and one or 2-2. Two and two. I think they were three and one actually and then you know 
a three and one team making substitutions is pretty surprising. But I'm glad to see Turtle back in there. I'm glad to see him to get his fifteenth uh, hundred. What the hell? How do you say that? Fifteen hundredth kill. Yep. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah, uh, congrats <laughs> to him. But you know, it definitely, we'll have to see how they perform moving forward. Yeah, and I, I I'm very much with you. Like it wasn't a move that we thought was going to happen when they made the move to Mash. It was it wasn't like you know everything was you know going downhill or anything like that. So yeah, very much out of the blue. But I mean, it's good to see him back. Um, anything else before we move on to the next team that is in the just chilling rain? Nah, that's good. So next up we have 100 Thieves. Um, 100 Thieves. A team you could have maybe put on the rise after having such a good 2-0 weekend last weekend. However, they kind of came back down to reality again this weekend. Um, I don't really have too much to say on 100 Thieves. I'm really happy that someday's getting more options to play some carries. We saw that specifically last week. We saw that. Um, and I think it's something that's going to put this team in the right direction. However, I still think they have too much holding them back. Um, we saw contracts get punished a, a fair bit this weekend with his aggression. Uh, we saw Ryoma getting caught out again. I, I remember saying this. I don't know if it was to you or to Scott or someone, but when we were watching the game, I said, watch, Ryoma is going to randomly get picked off. <laughs> and sure enough, he randomly got picked off like three minutes later. So, like, it, it was something that wasn't uh, too much of a surprise to me. It wasn't out of the blue. We saw it coming. And, of course, it did happen. And the other thing is Poom also kind of had a rough weekend getting caught as well. It just seems to me like that has been the biggest thing with 100 Thieves is players getting randomly caught out. And whether it be Stunt Medios or whether it be Ryoma or Poom, like they just seem to get caught at random times and they end up throwing themselves, the, throwing the game away or throwing a drag away, which leads to throwing the game away. It just, it's such a weird thing with this team. Yeah, I think I think getting caught a lot can, you know, be somewhat attributed to their inexperience. I mean, they still in terms of recency in the LCS, like they're a pretty young team. Uh they have, you know, contracts who recently has been out of the LCS for the past for the past little while. Poom, a completely fresh new player, and Ryoma, another fairly new player to the LCS and you know, we are seeing some fundamental mistakes coming out from 100 Thieves, and, you know, that is very problematic, especially at the professional level, because, you know, you need to have these fundamentals down because they're just the basics of the game. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it's they've been a little uncoordinated. They've been getting caught a lot, and it's it's really hard to judge this team, like you said, with, you know, as you, we could have considered this team a team on the rise after their 2-0 weekend previously. But, you know, they, they really they had two poor games, honestly, this weekend. And that's kind of why we're, we're a little we're still a bit unsure about this team. Specifically, yep. yeah. I want to say with Poom and Contracts. Yeah, definitely. Still still a lot to learn from this team and specifically a lot to learn from Poom just being such a brand new player. Um, I don't really have too much else to say on 100 Thieves, honestly. Um, I, I'm really happy that they got their 2-0 week last week. But I, as expected to me, I, I did think that they were going to lose their games this weekend. Sure enough, they did. Any, anything else for you uh, to say on this team? No, I think we can uh, move on to our last team, uh, Evil Geniuses. We touched on them a little bit uh, in our first segment of the show, just talking about uh, their roster changes and, you know, what we should expect from them moving forward with uh, Golden Glue, you know, potentially staying on the starting, you know, potentially continuing to start in the mid lane and maybe getting a new contract. But yeah, um, as we were mentioning this week, they had a very, you know, 
rough and you know kind of messy game against uh, Team Liquid, and then had played a really really well game, played a really clean game against C9. So again, uh, there's not uh, too much to talk about. You know, we've met, we've talked about it a lot already, but you know, this team sitting at six and six right now in the LCS, like straight up middle of the pack, they're going to be fighting for potentially you know a top three spot as you know the third and the seventh seeds are all uh, two games apart, either being yeah, seven very... and five or five and seven. So it's going to be a tight race, you know, get these seedings and playoffs. And, you know, we'll have to see. I think the main question with this ro- with this team is what their roster is going to be like next week and for the rest of the season. So we'll have to see. Yeah, n- like you said, not too much to say on this team. We talked about how Zazel looked really good. I really liked his flanks on Alistair. I don't know if he'll be getting that too much more because that's definitely one of his better champions, if not the best. And then um, we also talked about Golden Glue. Uh, it, it seemed like he was the reason that they lost in the first one, but also one of the main reasons they won in the second one. But one thing we didn't touch on uh, earlier that I did want to touch on was uh, Huni being subbed in and just his overall performance. I did not think Huni looked good in either game, to be honest. Uh, he did end up scaling later on in the, in the game against Cloud9 with his gangplank, but he actually got dumpstered in lane. And and he also got camped for in the first game, uh, like since Garen was camping his lane, and then he didn't do much with it. So I'm still not really impressed with Huni. I I've said for a long time Huni has fallen off, and I don't think we're gonna see old Huni come back. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not too too hyped about this new roster. I think he's just a liability in the top lane. He plays hella aggressive, and he doesn't get too much for your team. So yeah, th- that's the only other thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to EG is I don't think that this pick is that great i think he's being overrated and i think he's going to be their top laner next year and i think that we're going to see this team suffer because of that but i mean we have to wait quite a while to see all of that yeah i mean you kind of mentioned you just mentioned pre, uh, just there that uh their game plan in that first game against tl was kind of weird you know he was playing karma top in uh their their first game against team liquid and he was kind of getting camped for you know sven scaren spent the majority of the time on the top side of the map ganking for Huni, blowing enemy flashes. He got two kills, I believe, but, you know, he was playing the sort of supportive Karma top lane, and, you know, I remember when we were watching the game, I just, it it was just, I don't know, it was just, it was a weird look from EG, and I didn't really think their game plan made sense in terms of camping for the support Karma top. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't think that that's ever going to win you too many games. Um, But yeah, not, not much else for me to talk about on EG. Anything else before we move on to our teams that are starting to slide a little bit no we'll get into those ones now all right so the first we only have two teams left and these are two classic organizations in clg and tsm let's start off with clg because this was a team that i have been saying for many weeks that this team will decline and sure enough they declined and i tweeted out like they they showed us who who we thought they were and (laughs) It's true, okay? This team has looked bad in their wins, they looked bad in their losses, and they looked bad this past weekend. So, I, I, I did whip up a few stats just to back up how the, the poor performance surrounding CLG. Um, they're last in the league with 32.3% drag percentage. They are last in the league in first tower and in first blood, both with 33.3%. 
So it's not just like, oh, is this team, you know, they have a, lot, a few wins. Maybe they're not that bad. No, their stats are definitely indicating they're a pretty bad team. And I think the, the biggest thing for me is their top side of the map. I don't think it matters if it's Deus. I don't think it matters if it's Ruin. I think their top lane is bad. And I think that the same thing uh, is, is true in the jungle. I don't think Wiggly is getting too much done. It never seems like they have an answer. If one jungler is doing one thing on the other side of the map, it seems to always be more productive than whatever Wiggly is doing. And so I think this team's going to continue to struggle until they clear up or change up the top side of the map. Yeah, I mean, one thing, you know, I think we're both sort of in agreement with that. The record, I think, is really deceptive of the actual skill level of this team. I mentioned uh, in a previous episode, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, but, you know, four of their wins that they picked up at the start of the split were against the pre-roster swapped Immortals, the pre-roster swapped Dignitas, the pre-roster swapped 100 Thieves, and the slumping Golden Guardians at the time at the start of the season. So, you know, it's really... It, their record is not like, you know, they can be a five and seven team and sure it's five and seven on the standings, but this team is not a five and seven team. You know, honestly, if you, if you were to replay all the games, they, they'd have one win. Honestly, they'd have one, maybe even zero wins. And I've really have not been impressed with their team. You know, as you're mentioning, you know, their top side of the map is really, really weak. Um, they don't get a lot done. Wiggly, you know, as you said, it usually always happens to be if enemy jungler is doing something on the opposite side of the map, Wiggly is just not getting enough done to make whatever had whatever has happened on the opposite side of the map worth it. It's basically always a neutral negative with Wiggly in terms of what he's doing around the map. So, you know, I'm, I, for me personally, I'm expecting big changes out of this Rost, out of this organization for coming into the next season. And I think that's honestly where they should be looking at this point. I think they have their own idea that, you know, maybe we can make a run in playoffs or something like that. You know, we've previously talked about Weldon and his sort of, delusional mindset that they can you know scrap with the top the teams at the top of the table but the way they're performing now there, there's no chance of that actually happening yeah and so i actually to talk a little bit more on their management side i don't think it stops with just weldon um because uh, i don't know if i ever mentioned this but when they were three and one i believe um the, the CLG GM was in chat for hotline league one week and there were so many takes mine included that were saying CLG is a bad team and he took it upon himself to do, put his own take in the Discord channel saying that CLG can only beat bad teams, obviously in a sarcastic manner. And so he got pulled on the show and he was able to go on about how their team is better than people are giving them credit no. for and that they're not getting credit for all their wins. And guess what? They're bad. They're and bad. so I, I don't think that it stops with just Weldon being delusional. It seems like all of their management is also delusional about how good their own team is. And so that's why if, if you see me smirk a little bit at CLG doing bad, it's not because I hate the organization, but it's because their management is so lost and this team needs to change and they refuse to change and to accept that they're bad. And so that's why it makes me so happy to see this team do bad, not for the players. I actually really like a lot of the players on this team. But as far as CLG as a, as a brand and as a team in this league, something needs to change. And so I, I'm glad that their game performance is proving that something needs to change. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to bring up one. It's not really off topic. It's still about CLG. But remember when we were watching the broadcast uh, just uh, this past weekend, they had Pobelter rated at the, as the fifth best mid laner. And I thought that was super interesting. One, because I didn't think he was the fifth best mid laner. And two, I think in terms of them ranking him as the fifth best mid laner, it's, you know, he's obviously not performing to the, the level of CLG. I think he's actually been performing decently, 
But I think mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of shining because the rest of CLG is failing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't know if all three analysts put Poe Belter 5. I think five, two of them had it 5. Okay, yeah. Regardless, I don't think he has any business being in the 5 spot, which is a little yeah. bit harsh, but I think it's a little bit true. Um, anything before we move on to our last team, Team Solo Mid? Yeah, Talent Suppression Machine. Okay, so let's get into the Talent Suppression Machine. Uh, I don't know where to start with this one. I got a few things to say, so I'll let, I'll let you start off with this one. Yeah, I mean... They had a 1-1 week this week, you know, a really messy win against 100 D, um, 100 Thieves. Um, it was, it just seemed like in that game, this was on a Friday, this was a Friday night game, but it kind of was just like, it, they just looked like two bad teams, and one of the teams had to win the game, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't impressed with TSM at all, I wasn't impressed by 100 Thieves, and TSM kind of just won the game, and it was like, okay, they won. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, they got wrecked in their FlyQuest game. Spica looked really, really bad and really, really lost. Didn't really know what to do when things went wrong in the in the early game. And, uh, honestly, same kind of thing in the 100T game. You know, he was inting it a little bit. Um, had a really poor week. What I'm sort of seeing from Spica is when things start to fall apart, you know, it really falls apart for TSM, specifically in the jungle. Mm. But I think what what Spica does well is playing off of leads and playing around the playing around the strong points of the map. But when either there's no strong points around the map or he doesn't exactly know what to be doing, it really seems like he's super, super lost in terms of where to be, um, you know, his timings on like enemy, the enemy team and where they're going to be and where they're placing vision and where to get timers that he can get his own vision for his own team. So, and it, it's really interesting. I think we're starting to see, you know, a little bit of the inexperience from Spica. And, you know, it was really detrimental this week. <clears throat> yeah, no, definitely. Definitely a little bit disappointed with his gameplay. I still think that this will be... I think Spica will be a really good player next year. I've said this before in past episodes. I think this is a player that's going to get better with time, especially playing with these kinds of veterans. But right now, we're not seeing all the veterans playing at the level that we would expect them to play at. Um, I don't think Doublelift has been bad, but he hasn't been Doublelift. You know, like, you used to be able to put all your resources in double lift and he'd win you a championship. It doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, however, I do want to highlight Bjergsen because I do think he is the kind of guy that can take the resources and carry a game. He has looked pretty good. So I think there's some good and some bad going on with TSM. However, I think there's just too much bad with this team, and that's why we had to put them falling or on the decline. Um, mainly, the, we talked about Spica, but another thing is mainly Broken Blade. He has not been the top laner or that we've that we've come to expect. And I did a little bit of digging in some of the stats. And so just looking alone, just at his CSD at 15, he's a negative six, um, which doesn't sound terrible, but he does get a lot of carry champions every now and I should say not a lot. He gets some every now and then. And so I don't think he should be at that negative number. And the players that he's ahead of, listen to the names that he's ahead of as far as CSD at 15. He's ahead of Lorlo and Alorum. Two definite role player champions that are supposed to struggle in lane. And then he's ahead of Viper, probably one of the worst top laners performing the split. And then Huni and Deus, both pretty bad <laughs> players without a lot of uh, games, games played this yeah. split. So the, the players that he's ahead of are definitely bottom tier top laners as far as CSD at 15 is concerned. And so he's trailing everybody else in the league in that, which is not something that we would come to expect out of Broken Blade. Yeah, definitely has been underperforming this split, you know. 
we saw, you know, when Broken Blade entered the scene in NALCS, you know, he was super carry player, um, Bruce performing really, really well. Bruce, you could argue, was the best performing player on TSM last year in terms of overall performance. But, yeah, definitely uh, underperforming this split. One thing that we haven't touched on yet is Treats. Um, he had his first uh, LCS games this weekend. I think he's a highly touted academy player. Um, and, you know, rightly so. I think he's been you know, he's been at the top of academy for the better part of two years now. So I think I was really glad to see him finally get an LCS shot. I was, you know, I think two episodes ago when we were talking about potential academy players that could make an impact in the league, two of the players that I highlighted were uh, TSM Academy Support Treats and C9 Academy Support Diamond. So it was... I, I was glad to see Treats uh, in this weekend. How did you feel about his performance? Yeah, I thought he looked good, uh, as, as good as he could. Let's let's put it that way, because yeah. we know that they were absolutely running it down in their FlyQuest game, and and I thought that he looked okay in their 100 Thieves game. They got a they got a kill in bot lane, you know, a solo kill, so to speak. But um, yeah, not 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 enough information yet to have a real good opinion on him. But I, I did want to mention Treats and talk about how in an interview with Travis Gafford, he actually brought up that he thinks that within a few weeks, he'll be able to call himself a top three support in the league. So definitely a player with a lot of confidence. And I think this is really interesting because not a lot of players coming into the league uh, have that level of confidence, especially when they don't have a lot of experience. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that confidence. However, I think it's very much... If he performs really well, I think he'll get the praise and say, you know what, maybe you are a top three player uh, in your role. But if he doesn't, I think that he really should come under the the limelight there and really be kind of may maybe shamed is a little bit extreme, but kind of called out if he's not playing to that level, which is something that you get. That's just something that we've always seen in LCS. If you're going to talk a lot and say how good you are, you need to back it up. And so I think that that's something he's going to have to do in the next few weeks. And so I'm really excited to watch him specifically when watching TSM games because I don't think he will be a top three support. But again, I don't have the information to say that he's not yet. So really looking forward to seeing him play. But uh, I don't think he was enough this weekend to stop his team from being in the decline section. Yeah, I, I, I can't appreciate, though, that he's kind of putting himself out there that he, you know, he believes in himself and props to him for doing that. Yeah, and so that's going to wrap up all of our teams for this week as far as the the rising, the following, and the just chilling section. Next up, we have our classic pop-off and bean soup section of our of our episode. So I'll, I'll let you start off with popping off. Who did you have popping off this week? I got Core JJ this week. Um, we, we kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier uh, in the show when we were talking about uh, Cloud9 and Blabber potentially being the MVP. Um, but, you know, myself, I think Core is actually an MVP candidate this split. You know, his bard is world class. I don't, I don't think I've seen any other bard play in the world so far that I think would compare to that. Um, as we've mentioned before, he basically has a champion ocean. He can play whatever you need him to play. And he had a really good week. He's been having really great bard ultimates, uh, having really good uh, uh, double double stuns on the, the bard queue. And, you know. He kind of, you know, helped innovate this little W level one start where you place like two or three shrines mid lane and then place one for your jungler and, you know, every all the bards are doing that now. So I, he's popping off. Yeah, no, he. I definitely agree that Corey J has been popping off. And I do think you're right in saying that he is an MVP candidate. I think that he has really closed the gap between him and Blabber in the last couple of weeks. He's definitely just a playmaker. Like, that team is not the same without him, so I do think that he's in the MVP ca candidate talks. 
I am going to give my pop-off award to Golden Glue, however, though. Despite having a pretty rough game on Friday, this guy has not been playing for some time now. He was ready to accept a coaching job, and he said that he thought he would be coaching. He gets subbed in, put on a very weird contract, seven days, and he pops off against his old team in Cloud9. What what more can you ask for out of Golden Glue for that? He was, his Zoe bubbles, I mentioned it earlier, were great and just... One of the reasons, if not the biggest reason, that they were able to take down the best team in the league. And so, despite maybe him not having the best weekend we've seen, this is a guy that wasn't playing anywhere and just got put on a random team and had a really good game against a really good team. So, I definitely was really happy with his performance. And so, Golden Glue, you're popping off this week. Uh, good for him. Yeah, Swole Bro's too good. Dopamine level's too high. Yeah, true. We got the Swole Bros back. Next up, we got Bean Soup. Who, who did you? Who was disappointing you this weekend? Who do you got for Bean Soup? I kind of mentioned it just a few minutes ago, but I, I got to speak as the Bean Soup this week. Um, you know, kind of just like I was talking about, he seemed pretty lost, you know, this week in terms of the game state and knowing what to do when his team is falling behind. And, you know, I think in a lot of the TSM wins, they are, you know, they're able to get, you know, not necessarily an early game lead, but they go even in the early game and usually can through through mid lane or through top lane when Broken Blade is not playing poorly, but they can sort of accrue a nice little early, a nice little mid game lead. And, you know, Speak is usually able to play pretty well around that. He has pretty good Baron control, but, uh, you know, definitely seemed a little bit lost this week. And that's why I had to give him the bean soup. Yeah, it, it was sad to see him, uh, go from being talked as one of the more improving players in the league to having such a, uh, a bad performance. Um, I definitely think he can bounce back, but definitely a reasonable bean soup award. I, I'm totally right there with you. I did go a little bit different this week. I, I had to give my bean soup award to five different players. Um, Dignitas versus Golden Guardians game. That game was so shit, man. <laughs> That's so I think that I don't think it was so much on the Golden Guardians players. I, I don't want people to think that I'm giving it to all 10 players that were in the game, but that was probably the worst game of League of Legends I've ever seen. And I think that was really uh, on Dignitas's shoulders to, to take the blame for that one. And so Dignitas, you're bean soup this week. That, that was that was just absolute garbage to watch. And I don't think we will see it again, but you got to get called out for that one. Any yeah. thoughts on, on that one? Yeah, it's kind of hard from, like, the Golden Guardians side. Like, they were just doing, like, Dignitas was just giving everything up, and Golden Guardians was taking it. Like, Golden Guardians took the first two drags in that game, and, you know, I think Azale was mentioning on the broadcast, you know, they were going to give third Drake because Kog'Ma hadn't yet reached his, you know, two-item power spike of Blade of the Rune King Runan. So they gave up third Drake, and then they gave up Ocean Soul, and then they gave up Baron, and then they gave up Triple Inhib, and they gave up their base, and Dignitas just didn't fight them. So, you know, I, I don't, like, I don't think you shouldn't give any, you shouldn't give Golden Guardians any flame because they were just doing their jobs. Like, they were just going out there winning the game. Like, if they're not going to fight you, they're not going to fight you. So, yeah, who's going to complain about getting free objectives, right? It's yeah. really, like I said, like you said, it's really not on Golden Guardians. This is a bean soup award for Team Dignitas for one of the worst games we've ever seen. Moving yeah, on is, to oh, our. I was oh, just go ahead. Say, I was just going to say there was some pretty funny Twitter content out of all like the Golden Guardians yes. players after. It was really funny. Yes, there was some great <laughs> tweets, some great videos. Like. They deservedly so, okay? They deserve to be roasted for that. Yes, I remember. I don't remember who tweeted it, but somebody was like, co-op VAI would have been harder that game. And I think that was Hanser. Yeah, and then DeMonte tweeted at Dignitas, said, miss me. And then, like, he was, oh, man, like, DeMonte was, like, 
then he like followed that tweet up because I think Dignitas replied or something like that, and then like Demonte had like more likes than like the whole Dignitas's orgs Twitter, and like <laughs> oh man, it was it was hilarious. Yeah, definitely a, an interesting game, and not for not for good reasons, but uh, definitely loved all the the Twitter Twitter interactions that followed. Um, moving on, we're gonna move on to our to the bet section this week. Uh, we got some interesting lines here for for bets. Um, I I definitely want to know your thoughts on what teams you think are worthy of uh, of taking this week. Who do you got? Yeah, your face is getting covered. I'm pulling them up now. Yeah, but no uh, I don't know what. It's there's not to me there's not any ones that stick out like in terms of like the really good value. Um, the the one that I would like to point out because I think I'm a fan of the team is the Golden Guardians versus FlyQuest. You know, to me it's a little more of a coin flip in terms of who's gonna who's gonna win that game. I think I, I would attribute that to overall uh, team skill level and record. You know, both these teams sitting at six and six, but uh. Golden Guardians getting 60 more cents than uh, FlyQuest, so I got my faith in Golden Guardians, so uh, maybe look out for that one. Yeah, I, I knew that you were going to pick that, and I don't think it's a bad pick. I think it's actually a really good pick. I think these teams are a lot more even than what uh, the odds are giving credit for, and I, I can't do it because clearly I'm, I'm cheering for FlyQuest in that one. And even though I actually do think FlyQuest is the better team, I don't think that there's that much of a disparity in this game. I think it's definitely a coin toss, and so I think the odds are great for Golden Guardians. If anybody's looking to take a bet, I think that's a very good one. Another one that I think is very good, let me find it on here, it is the Dignitas game. Dignitas versus Evil Geniuses. Um, we saw Evil Genius beat Cloud9, but let's not have too short of a memory. They also got dumpstered on when TL the game before. And this team is not a team that's been playing together very long. I think there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies. And minus the one game where Dignitas looked pretty bad against Golden Guardians, they had three games where they looked good before that. And so I don't think that that is by any means a solid lock. And Dignitas is getting 3.5 on that dollar bet. That to me is great odds. I think that... If, if you're feeling a little bit risky, you could even parlay that with, with the Golden Guardians one and get a pretty good payout, uh, depending on how much you want to wager on that. But those, to me, were the two, the two standout bets. Uh, I think that there's a lot of chances for, for some long shots or for some upsets, let's say, and uh, you can really, really bank, make some bank this weekend on those. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our uh, picks and predictions for these upcoming, this upcoming week, week seven. Let me just pull them up here. They should be on screen now. First game on Friday, we got a EG versus Immortals. Well, as you were mentioning, we'll kind of have to see what the the EG roster is going to look like. But uh, I'm still going to go with EG on this one. I know we have we've really been talking up Immortals in terms of you know Insanity and Alorum and their champ pools, but I'm going to side with EG on this one. But I do think it's close. Yeah, this one I think is is really close as well. Actually, something I probably should have mentioned in the odds because I'm pretty sure Immortals was getting nearly three three to one I odds. I think they were getting two point eight. Okay, like so it it has yeah. been uh, fluctuating all day. I've I've noticed. I actually got I was actually able to take this pick last week. I think I got them in at two point nine. So I did take Immortals on this one, and I, I do want to take an upset. So I think this is going to be one of my upset games that I'm going to go with here. I'm going to take Immortals. Um, I definitely do think EG has a chance to to win this game. I don't think it's there's no by no means do I think Immortals is the favorite. But I, I like what I've seen out of Immortals lately. I just mentioned how I think EG's a little bit shaky. We don't know exactly what to expect out of them, and their team hasn't been playing together for too long. So I, I'm gonna go with the upset and go with Immortals on this. 
Moving on, second game on Friday, we got uh, Team Liquid versus FlyQuest. You know, as you were mentioning, Team Liquid, team on the rise, you know, tied with Cloud9 in the standings. Um, I'm going to go TL on this one. Um, I remember in the previous uh, TL FlyQuest game in the, the first half of the round, Robin, I think I remember it was a, it was a close-ish game. But I'm That was the some... game, so, sorry to interrupt you, that yeah. was the game where FlyQuest was winning and MASH inted over the oh, Baron yeah, pit yeah, with yeah. Ezreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember it was a close game, but uh, I'm going to go with Team yes, Liquid on this one. I think Team Liquid's really been performing well in these last two weeks specifically. And I think off the backs of Jensen and Core JJ, they will get it done. Yeah, I'm so hesitant to take my boys' FlyQuest on this one. But I will. I will take FlyQuest. I'm going to take another upset. I still think this team is good. I just need a little bit more proof before I can start yelling it from the rooftops. I think FlyQuest is good. I hope to see them perform. Um, definitely a little bit nervous for this one because I do think uh, TL has started to look better. Um, but I am going to go with the upset on this one as well. FlyQuest for me. Let's go FlyQuest. All right. Uh, good to see some upsets. But uh, first game on Saturday, we got 100 Thieves versus CLG. Honestly, I'm not too sure where to go with this one. I think it's kind of a coin flip. And You got a coin? Yeah. <laughs> we, got, we, we got a coin flip right here. So uh, um, I'm going to go 100 Thieves. Uh, no, no, like, there's no reasoning. I could look at this game for probably like 20 minutes and still not have my mind made up on who I think is going to win this. I think that as far as the early game goes, I give it to 100 Thieves. As far as getting randomly caught out and throwing the game, I also give that to 100 Thieves. <laughs> so I don't know what to think. I don't think CLG will just continue to lose the rest of their game. So I'm, I'm going to differ with you on this one as well. I'm going to go CLG. I do it hesitantly. But wow. uh, yeah, I don't got a lot of reasoning. We're, we're going to see some disparity in the in the picks this week. So that's, I mean, that's a good silver lining. CLG for me. Next. All right, next game we got uh, TSM and Dignitas. Uh, I'm going to go TSM on this one. I think they, they'll make some improvements, you know, coming up for this next week of LCS. And to me, they just outclass, they outclass Dignitas. So I'm going to go TSM. I'm going to go with Dig on this one. Just kidding. Okay. Just kidding. I can't. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I was going to say, we're going to have like five upsets in a row. Because we are, I think, I think people can infer what this, how this FlyQuest Golden Guardians is going to go. I will be cheering for Dignitas in this game, however, because I do want to see them have a little bit of a resurgence. And I do I think like that seeing TSM the team lose, is good. So I'm going yeah. to go with that. <laughs> but uh, I do think TSM is better than they've been playing. I know we said they were on the decline, but it's time for them to make, put a stop to that. I'm going to take TSM in this one. I think they'll, they'll have a little bit of a bounce back weekend. Yeah, next game we got uh, FlyQuest versus Golden, versus Golden Guardians. And like I said, I think people can kind of infer uh, how this one's going to go. I got Golden Guardians on this one. <laughs> I, I like me some Golden Guardians. And I got FlyQuest. Uh, yeah, this one, I don't think it's too hard for any of the people listening to figure out which picks we're going with on this one. I, I, I do think Golden Guardians is good, and I'm happy to see them on the rise. I just think FlyQuest is a little bit better, and I'm a little bit happier to see them <laughs> if they were to go on the rise. So not much else to say. I, I just I like both of these teams. Should be a really good game. It's not our game of the week, but it's definitely a candidate for one for me specifically. FlyQuest for me, though. Then last game on Saturday, we got Immortals versus C9. I got C9. Not much to say. I Actually, yeah. okay, I got one thing to say. I hope that Immortals gives us something spicy in the draft in this game. And that's some, that's totally reasonable with what we've seen out of Alorum and Insanity. These guys, two guys are picking some whack shit, man. And I mean whack in the best way. 
We're, they're very difficult to to predict who they're going to play, and so I think that it's going to be really fun. I want to talk about, so I'm t I am taking Cloud9, but I do also want to remember that the last time these two teams played each other, Cloud9 destroyed oh, they, them. Yeah. They absolutely destroyed them, but I think that was either the first game or the first weekend that Immortals was playing as a roster. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to harp on Immortals too much. They were practicing against a bunch of academy teams their first weekend in the LCS. They got to play against probably the best team we've seen in North America in maybe ever. <laughs> so, but yeah, nice to see a rematch. Give Immortals another chance and maybe they can put up a better fight this time. Yeah, I think it was the second game that they played, but it was the first weekend that it was the new roster. But yeah, we, we game, both got Cloud9 on that one. Yeah, though. yeah. First game on Sunday, we got Dignitas versus EG. Um, I'm going to go EG on this one. Kind of a bit of a similar situation as in the Immortals and EG game happening on the Friday. You know, Dignitas, a team sort of on the rise and a bit of confusion in terms of, you know, what this EG roster might look like next week or for even that, you know, going forward. But I'm going to go EG on this one. But like, again, like I said before, it's close. So I'm going to go with EG on this one as well. Uh, but like I mentioned before, there were some really good odds on Dignitas. So I did take Dignitas. I, I, I bit the, I, I took the bait rather at the three and a half to one odds. Um, not too much to say. I think both of these teams uh, are pretty good. I think they're like middle of the pack teams, but I think EG is just a little bit better with uh, Dignitas kind of being coin flippy in the mid jungle area. Uh, and I know that's EG's also kind of been that as well. But regardless, I think uh, EG is just a little bit better. So EG for me. Yeah. And then uh, next up, we got our match of the week the battle of for first place C9 versus. Match of the week, Squid. baby. Yeah, this one's this I, one's should be a good game. Definitely a banger. Has banger potential. Yeah, so I really hope this is a battle for first place because, as I said earlier, I took FlyQuest over TL on the Friday night game. I, it would be a little bit. So I, I definitely I want FlyQuest to win, but I I would be a little disappointed if the C9 TL game doesn't mean as much. Um, I am gonna take C9. I think that this is like the. We're not fucking around anymore, game. If, if you're Cloud9, this is like, they really want to win this game. And so I don't think you're going to see any huge surprises in the draft. Unless, of course, they like heavily target ban someone like teams have been doing against uh, Blabber. I don't think we'll see anything too wacky. Um, should be a really good game. That game is at 5 p.m. EST on Sunday, uh, for, for those wondering when that game is. If there's a game to catch this weekend, that's going to be a really good one to catch. That's why that's our game of the week. But uh, I think we're both going c9 on that one yeah i'm going c9 I, i'm definitely really interested to see how both teams sort of attack draft phase you know if team liquid is going to take this approach that other teams are taking in terms of banning out uh blabbers olaf and his lee sin but if i have this correct they're actually playing on blue side uh i don't know wait is that indicative of like the logos of who's on blue side and who's on red side I'm not sure exactly how that works. I believe the the team on the left is is the blue side team. Not not sure. What did I say? Did I see TL was blue side? I thought they were blue side in their last C9 TL game. Okay, nonetheless, um, I I really want to see how the draft plays out in terms of how TL attacks C9's champ pools, and, and by that I mean you know banning out potentially the blabber or blabber's uh, Olaf and the Lee Sin, and or, you know, how C9 sort of attacks, you know, either Jensen or Core JJ's champ pool in terms of the Azir, the TF, the LeBlanc, the Bard, the Braum, you know. 
I think, you know, I want to see from C9, because I'm, I'm a C9 fan and I'm picking C9 in this one. I want to see from C9, you know, getting an advantageous uh, matchup for Niski. I don't want to see Niski on a super aggressive pick and giving Jensen maybe his Azir or his LeBlanc or his TF and his super, you know, his, you know, I think those are his three comfort champions. I want to see Jensen on something new and C9 kind of throwing him off a little bit, because I think Jensen is definitely TL's, um, him and Corjay are their two best performing players, but Jensen obviously doing the majority of the carrying because that's the position he plays. So but... I'm actually a little bit differing opinion than you on that one a little bit. Um, as far as Jensen on his ear, I think that that is a champion that is slow enough for Cloud9 to execute the gameplay they want to. Because they want to play fast and fight a lot early, and I don't think Azir is too good with that. So I actually think that Cloud9 is going to be more than happy to give him the Azir, and I think T TL is going to be more than happy to take it. So I do think there's a really good chance that we see Jensen on Azir this weekend. Yeah, just my reasoning for that is one, you know, in the previous Cloud9 versus TL game, we saw a little bit more of an aggressive uh, early game. You know, I think that Brox was playing Lee Sin in that game. And they had Jensen on the Azir in that game as well. But TL played a little bit of a slower... They, they they gained a little bit of a lead in the early game, but really slowed it down in the mid game. But what I don't want to see from Cloud9 is, you know, recently we've seen their early games be a little bit weaker. And if that trend were to continue, I don't want to see them give over late game power picks over to Team Liquid. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, but uh, match of the week, you, de you definitely got to catch this one if you're only going to watch a couple games. But uh, third game on Sunday, we got CLG versus TSM. I got TSM on this one. You know, we both think CLG's bad. And like we said, I think I'm expecting improvements out of TSM. You know what's so sad about this matchup for me? The, the last time these two teams played is when they were both sitting around the same record. I think they were both 4-2. and two. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they I were around there. Correct. And remember, it was, be, it was being hyped up as maybe they could bring the rivalry back as long as these two teams start to play well. Well, now both teams aren't playing well. So yeah. it's like, it's, like it's, it's a rivalry that a lot of people want to see come back, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. TSM maybe can get back to that level. I don't see it happening for CLG, but re regardless of that, I'm going with TSM. I think that they're just better than CLG. I think CLG is bad. I made that pretty clear. So TSM by default. Yeah, I mean, th this was sort of like always referred to as like the El Clasico of like NALCS. And, you know, honestly, I think recently, you know, C9 versus Team Liquid is the El Clasico. So that yeah, rivalry is dead. True. Don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. It's no more. Don't talk about it. <laughs> last game of the day and last game of the week we got a golden guardians versus 100 t i think it's pretty obvious i'm going golden guardians yeah i'm going golden guardians on this one too and and i do also one little thing that i want to say about this is if, if golden guardians loses this game i'll be really disappointed this is a must win yeah and I agree. golden guardians is maybe we talked about this maybe on that path of going above 500 for the first time in ever so uh, th if if that's going to happen, this is a game you gotta win. So um, I I definitely think they will. But yeah, Gold Golden Guardians for me. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for our picks and predictions. Choose your word, whichever word you prefer. Uh, for week seven, <laughs> uh, you want to close it out, Jamie? Yeah, just want to thank everyone that showed up to the stream today. Um, for those listening live, we do really apologize. Um, th there is a lot of lag issues. Today we had some issues with having to move uh, J&T around to a different location. And so the the lag is, is apparent and we know about it. There's just not much we can really do about it. Um, and for those listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for, for uh, checking us out on YouTube. Please uh, do us the favor if you enjoyed the content to 
uh, subscribe and to to like the the videos. It definitely does mean a lot to us. And even leave a comment if you do if you would like. We do check the comments. So uh, thanks again to everybody that uh, is supporting uh, the podcast. It really means a lot to to us. And feel free to reach out to us, whether it be through Discord or whether it be through our social medias that are on screen. Um, we do love to hear from you guys, and, and it means a lot to us. Yeah, we'll definitely. I'll try to see if there are any potential fixes for you know the lagginess and the overall quality of the stream for next week. But uh, appreciate anyone who stuck around during uh, the technical difficulties. So uh, thank you everyone for watching, and uh, we hope to see you back here next week. Thanks, everyone.